Hey everybody and welcome into the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. Gunstock Mountain Resort is now open for the winter season. Enjoy top to bottom skiing and riding and remember to take a moment to stop and take in that iconic view from the summit. One of, one of our 10 best we chose last month in New England Ski Magazine. Check out our tubing hill for thrills and laughs and night sessions with the most lit terrain in New England for all you night owls. Book your lift tickets, rentals, and tubing online in advance. Check out our upcoming events at gunstock.com. Embrace the chill this winter at Gunstock. And discover what you've been missing when you visit Burke Mountain, the last little corner of Vermont. Located only seven miles off Interstate 91, the slopes are closer than you think. Take advantage of their incredible midweek deals like $45 Monday through Friday lift tickets or Wicked Wednesdays where three people can ski or ride for the price of one. That's right. You and two of your friends can ski and ride for just 15 bucks a piece every Wednesday, non-holiday. Incredible. To learn more, book your overnight stay at the Ski In Ski. Book your overnight stay at the Ski In Ski Out Burke Mountain Hotel or purchase lift tickets. Visit SkiBurke.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm Eric Wilber. I'm editor of the New England Ski Journal. I am joined by my co-host, Mike Speechin. Mike, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And you came down from New Hampshire today, correct? Oh, by way of Worcester and then from Rhode Island. It's oh. been a long day of travel today. Well, perfect. And you can tell us the entire landscape. I'm sure that it's much different up in New Hampshire, but when you cross that magic border that there are piles of snow everywhere that you can go play in. And then once you get to Massachusetts, it's, it's, it's a little bleak here. So why don't you tell us the good news, Mike? The good news is when you cross the Merrimack River, there is three feet of snow right now. Is that right? That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, obviously, we are kidding. It's been, a, it's been a struggle. And it's on the one hand, it's pretty early. It's not even Martin Luther King weekend. Well, it is now, but that is, it's an important landmark for the ski business, correct? So we've got Christmas vacation, Martin Luther King weekend, and February break are basically the three sort of big money makers for for the business. This is number two. Is this going to be strike two, right? And is this going to sort of dictate where the rest of our season goes, one thing I, I did write about last week that I want to let everybody know, just like one, we're in this together, but two, that in 2015, when we had at least Boston had a record-breaking season that nobody around here wants to talk about except for our skiers, January was one of the warmest on record. So I, I'm not saying that's any sign. I'm just saying that it's also kind of an indication that January isn't exactly the middle of winter. As far as skiing is concerned, it's more like early on in the season. And I think that we've become accustomed to demanding so much from these resorts that, look, I mean, Killington's a prime example that in a two-week span, they can make a bare trail suitable for World Cup skiing. That shows you the power of snowmaking and what it can do. It also is a limitation because snowmaking is going to make skiing available to you, Right you're just not going to be able to ski those trees and you're not going to be able to ski the moguls and you can't go snowmobiling and it's tough to go snowshoeing. Yes, while the ski business right now is struggling, it's, you can ski, right? There are places you can go and slide on snow. You can go tubing. But the smaller ski areas that can't make that snow, that can't rebound like a Killington or a Sunday River, 
or a Jay Peak even. Well, not Jay Peak really, but you know, or a Stowe. They can't rebound like them. Those are the ones that are struggling right now, um, more so than anybody else on the market. Well, you are correct there. I just heard something on the news today. I believe it was Channel 5 mm-hmm. uh, regarding Mad River Glen. Mad River is struggling right now. They are going to have some beginner train open back up, but they need that natural snow. Magic Mountain, another one that's struggling because we need natural snow. K Weekend is and has always been known as the number one skiing weekend of the year in the U.S. It's important for the industry from that standpoint. And right on the backside of that is President's Weekend and President's Week, the vacation week. Mm -hmm. Window of opportunity for retailers, for ski areas, for restaurants. The window of opportunity for them to make their year and stay vibrant is right now. We've been through this before. I've seen years when we haven't gotten snow until president's week and then it's just dumped and dumped and dumped right from the very first episode you and i were jarring back and forth regarding when's the best time to ski early or late late <laughs> is still the best yep i do agree with you on that by the way good 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 I'm glad. Uh, so that is coming and the snow is going to come is just going to be a shortened season of skiing the trees. Right. It, it, it really is. And that, that breaks my heart. But at the same time, it's, it, it helps not give up hope, right? Because look, in New England, let's use the old cliche. You don't like the weather? Wait a minute. I think what's making this season so tough right now for skiers is not only just the fact that we can't ski a ride the way we want to, but it's that when you look out west and you see what's happening out there, it's just banana land, the amount of snow that places are getting and the the potentially record-breaking amounts of snow they're getting and just seeing how good skiing is out west. It might have a lot of people booking flights, and that's great for the for the ski industry in Colorado and, 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 and Utah and California. It hurts us in New England here because it's, it's almost like the I give up syndrome and I'm going to go seek elsewhere for it. So there's skiing to be had elsewhere. But you look over what's happening in Europe, and, and that's just a whole other disaster, the heat wave they're having out there. And you, you hope and pray that it doesn't get that bad here because we have been able to rebound. We have been able to make snow at a lot of places. And, again, you can go ski. It's just not going to be the skiing that you would hope middle of winter in New England would give you. Yeah, we... <laughs> It is a tough one. I just flew back from Denver on Sunday, looking out the window at the amount of snow in the front range of the Rockies. I was there on business, didn't even put a set of skis on, unfortunately, because I had to be back here. But it's it's frustrating, but without getting political, we do have a climate issue, and we have seen the seasons shrink, whether it be in the Sierras or New England, and it, it is frustrating when it happens to us, but it's happening in Europe, as you said. If you saw the most recent World Cup when Michaela got number 82, there was no snow anywhere except for the run. Right. Yeah, it looked like I went to this like indoor Christmas celebration in Dallas, of all places, and they made snow and you get to go sledding. It was kind of like that. It looked like the quality of that snow. I just wanted to mention this. This is from my colleague of mine, well, former colleague, used to work up in, up in New Hampshire at ESPN New Hampshire, Brian Schnee, who now works out in, in Utah. Some stats from Snow Basin. Just the past six days, 54 inches, that's four and a half feet of snow. 101 inches in two weeks, that's eight and a half feet of snow. 
148 inches in one month. That's over 12 feet of snow. In this season, Snowbird has already seen 225 inches, nearly 19 feet of snow. When, when, when you see that and you, you, you say to yourself, like, okay, Logan's there. Like, let's hop a flight. That's easy enough to do. And that's, that's a great freedom to do. But again, like, in my backyard, it hurts. It hurts to see the dry land. It hurts to see the, the warm, wet weather of Christmas break to, to come in here and just decimate anyone who is, key, who is hanging on. And look, it, it, you're right. We're not going to get political, but global warming is obviously a, a topic that is something we should pay attention to. Maybe we don't pay attention to it, to it enough in the right areas. But I read an article. I'm not sure where it was. Maybe the Washington Post. Or maybe it wasn't. I don't want to. I don't want to put them on it. Who suggested that perhaps nobody on Earth is actually prepared for global warming more than ski areas? And I was like, okay, I don't. Where does that? I don't get where that connection is made. And he wrote about how ski areas for years have been seeking for other avenues, summer attractions, and zip lining, and rock climbing, and you name it, water slides, alpine slides. That they have for years been trying to improve their carbon footprint with the way that they do snowmaking. I thought it was a pretty fair argument that, that in the ski industry, we tend to shy away from talking about global warming because it means the eventual end of the sport as we love it. And whether you think it's 20, 30, 50, 100, 500. But I think that's an interesting way to look at it, that the ski industry has been preparing for this for a long, long time. And that they will be able to survive, or at least the ones that were smart enough to do it beforehand and to create enough attractions that is viable for any one season, that they will survive because of those sorts of attractions, not just about the skiing anymore. I thought that was an interesting way to put it and to put global warming in sort of like a, I don't want to say positive frame, but, you know, something to lean on, at least in terms of having a little optimism. We, we better have optimism in skiing because I've been around it for a long time. Without that optimism, you probably would need to get out of the business by all means. I think Wachusett is the... Wachusett is a great example, and Mount Southington's another great example, two areas that have totally embraced snowmaking, and both of them have been virtually wide open during this warm weather drought of snow that we've had, the rain that's been coming in. So the areas that have totally embraced it are definitely winning and staying afloat right now. Well, Today, Eric, we're going to be talking something interesting here. We're going out of state again. We went to Jackson, Wyoming. Now we're going to go to the granddaddy of New York State. New York is is interesting to me because it's like the the land that that we don't pay attention to that we really should. Okay, when when you think New York, you think that other state, not part of New England. I'm a I'm a native New Englander. I'm sticking to Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine. Yagu if I have to. But New York is, I, I think, New York does have the most ski areas per capita. Is that correct in, in, in America? It does have the most in, a, in the U.S. And me being a native New Yorker, oh. a Western New Yorker, that is, I've skied an awful lot of them. I think one of the, one of the biggest places in New York is, is Whiteface. A place I've only been to once. It was a December trip. It was a little icy, which I guess is pretty much on par with its nickname. <clears throat> But it was the views there are incredible. The, the the Lake Placid area in itself I was just talking to Dave, our producer, before, and he was asking me, "Is it worth going?" And a hundred percent, yes. If you're an Olympic, the Olympics when I was younger fascinated me. I mean, they still fascinate me. But when I was younger, oh, oh my God! And and not, I'm I'm a little younger. 
I'm a little too young to have remembered The Miracle on Ice and besides having seen it a million times on, on tape. But the 1988 Calgary games, I remember just being fascinated with the whole thing and Alberto Tomba and Brian Boitano and who else did that? Eddie the Eagle. The, the, Eddie the, the Eagle. There were some great characters in that. And for a 14-year-old kid, that was that's what I want to do. I want to cover events like this. I wanted to be Jim McKay. And so... About 10 years ago, it was 2013, I get assigned by the Boston Globe to go cover the bobsled championships up in Lake Placid, New York. We're going to send you up there for a week, Eric. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, get me my, my white face tickets and I'll be there. And that was my, my first and only time in Lake Placid. But for someone that grew up with the Olympics and, and, and respects the history of moments like, do you believe in miracles? And to be able to walk into that arena and first of all, see how small it is. And second of all, just feel the, the the presence of that moment in there is truly something special. So, I mean, if you're at, at all an Olympic sort of junkie or geek or historian and have never been to Lake Placid, you should definitely go. They just revamped the whole museum that they have there. I, I remember going in there almost 40 years old and I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this. It's just a very cool experience to go and, and go hang out at, at, at Lake Placid and in, to experience these places that are still there right the bobsled venue is still there the the ice skating rink is still there you can go ice skating on it it really is just a tremendous attraction and a reminder of just how big the olympics have gotten in 40 plus years too yeah we think about salt lake city olympics calgary olympics vancouver lake placid has had it twice yep. 1932 and 1980 and you talk about the miracle on ice i mean I was on a bus heading for Tremblant, and we were listening to the game on the bus, and the whole bus was rocking. Surprised we didn't tip over with excitement as the goals were scored. But the other cool thing about Whiteface is that it has a summit, lift summit, of 4,650 4,650 feet. It's not a small hill with the largest vertical drop in the Northeast, east of the Mississippi at 3430. It is some serious skiing. Right, right. Tell me about some of your experiences there. Since you're a New York native, tell me about what Whiteface is like as a, you know, as a destination. Whiteface is skis big. Of course, Lake Placid is isn't the town, it doesn't have a lift coming right out of Lake Placid like you would in Park City, but you have to drive up or take a shuttle up to the mountain. But as you get up there, it just balloons. There's there's different areas on the mountain, like Little Whiteface, to the viewer's left or skier's right, up to white the Whiteface Summit sitting right in front of you, and then Lookout Mountain to skier's Whiteface itself, the summit, I remember the first time I was standing up at the top of the downhill run. Mm -hmm. This is where the world champions were running on. Right. And I was stunned at the starting gate going, oh my goodness, a 18-year-old standing up there looking down going, oh, this is steep. <laughs> it's like birds of prey when you go out to Beaver Creek. And to think about it, when in 10, 20 years, or even less than that, six, seven, eight, you're going to have kids growing up that are 17, 18, going on Superstar at Killington going, this is when Michaela Schiffer did this. And that's that's kind of cool. Those are the sorts of things you get at Whiteface, right? Because if you're at a certain age and you remember those Olympics and you get to ski the same places that those champions skied, it's pretty cool for a skier to, that's especially one that's 
at least for me, increasingly interested in skiing history and not just how we got here, but, you know, the greats of the sport and, and how they fit into the whole public persona of the Olympics and how they skiing becomes like this worldwide event for two weeks and then it becomes our own little package again, right? Which can be frustrating at times because like last year in the Olympics, Michaela Schifrin struggled and it's the huge story. We know as followers of the World Cup and, and that, that that was a, a blip on the radar of Michaela Schifrin's career. In the mainstream, it doesn't seem that way. I'm getting off track, though, here. So tell well, me more about Whiteface. So I, before we go on with more about Whiteface, I think it's kind of unique here that we're talking about Whiteface, the Olympics of Whiteface, and the person that really was shining at that Olympics in the Alpine events was Ingemar. Mm -hmm. And Michaela just hit number 82. Sort of the correlation here, as you stated, standing on top of a hill that Michaela actually won a medal on. Right. Same thing on top of a hill that the great Ingemar Stenmark something on. That is very cool. And um, and yes, it is. She's a but. It seemed like early in the season that maybe she could do it this year. Now it just seems like she's probably going to do it. I, I don't want to put that in in prediction land there, but it does seem like she's on such a roll right now that she's going to smash that record and, and make it her own and completely unreachable that we, but we think we think all these records are unreachable and then someone eventually does it so somebody um, comes along always well always the other thing we we talk about the snow fields up at sugarloaf or the chin at stowe or the face at jay peak white face has this little thing called the slides and it is real if you get up if you get a chance to get up there and ski it when when there's fresh when it's skiing really well it is it is almost like being out west in shoots. It is just a beautiful spot to make turns. That's awesome. And well, coming up next, we've got Lauren Garfield. She's the sales and marketing manager at Whiteface. And Steve Vance, who is director of sales at the Grand Adirondack Hotel. Have you ever been there? I have not. I can't wait to get up there. It's just been revamped. I know where the hotel is, and it's been there for an awful long time. It used to be called the Northwoods. Mm -hmm. So I'm stoked to get up there this year and make some turns with those guys. Excellent. Well, let's hope it's snow. We'll be right back with those guests. So hang on. Get ready to winter like you mean it. Make tracks to Stratton for a big mountain experience with corduroy cruisers, tree-lined trails, new terrain parks, miles of glades, all with snow so great it's guaranteed. Book your lodging at the heart of the resort and discover everything you love about winter is right outside your door. Like snow tubing, snowmobile tours, snowshoe treks, cross-country skiing. Then there's Stratton Village for shopping, dining, après, and late nights. Stratton.com to save on lift tickets and lodging packages. Great Glen Trails Outdoor Center is your one-stop adventure destination this winter. No lift lines, just great grooming and magical vistas. Classic snow tubing hill with hot cocoa and s'mores on the weekends. Try a guided snow coach tour. Grab your reservation to Treeline on Mount Washington. Private and group lessons for skiers of all ages and all abilities. Evening snowshoe tours and so much more. Check the website for booking options and details as well. GreatGlenTrails.com Joining us now via Zoom, we have Lauren Garfield, Sales and Marketing Manager at Whiteface along with Steve Vance, the Director of Sales at the Grand Adirondack Hotel in Lake Placid. Welcome to the show, both of you. 
Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great to be here. We're extremely excited to bring Lake Placid and Whiteface into the mix here in New England. It's pretty dear to my heart since I'm a Western New Yorker by birth. Whiteface is that spot. I mean, the largest vertical in the Northeast. It's a skier's mountain with a lot of history behind it, which, Steve, we're going to come at you with that. Lauren, tell us what makes Whiteface and Lake Placid such a unique area in the Northeast. Well, you've had hit the nail right on the head, Mike. We are very proud of our vertical. We're very vertical mountain, over 3,400 feet of vertical. So it's highest vertical east of the Rockies. It's a lot of fun. But while you have all that vertical and you have the ability to ski the Olympic downhill run, we also have a great array of beginner and intermediate terrain as well. And some of the other things that make Whiteface and Lake West so special is our history. As you were saying, we have a steep Olympic history. We've had hosted the Olympics twice here. We've had the 1932 and 1980 Games. You might have heard of a couple of hockey games we had here as well. And we're really proud of our heritage. And we continue to use every single thing that we used in the Olympics to this day. We are hosting the World University Games starting next week with over 100 athletes coming into town in just a few days. So we're really excited for that. So we're keeping the history alive and keeping winter sport alive. Tremendous. Steve, my first trip to, to Lake Placid was 10 years ago and I was just, I was, I was bowled over because I, I didn't know what to expect and, I, and I, I fell in love with it. Now you've worked for both Smugglers and Jay. So can you tell us for people familiar with those sorts of mountains, what is it like getting to Lake Placid? Well, what is the vibe difference there? Well, back to Lauren's point quickly, I mean, I, I've always kind of loved the fabric and the connectivity of the community and the mountain and what vibe that exudes for any particular mountain. So it really was evident in Vermont, the places where I was at. And what I found here in, in Lake Placid is I really immerse myself in that heritage. I really immerse myself in the ski town, the history and I think when you're skiing, one of the, one of the things that I think we'll talk about is specifically what runs or, or, and I can tell you that the vibe of skiing on the men's downhill run, and it's particularly on a powder day last year, I, I got the best day of the year and I was first chair on the, on the summit quad and throat lozenges were an object of worship after that day. It was such a great day. And we skied that boot high powder and, and. I'm thinking, man, this is where those legends skied this run. This is where Ingemar Stenmar and Phil Mayer and, and all the rest of them. And I can't imagine going 70 miles an hour down that thing, 30 or whatever I was doing was plenty. But I think when it's steeped in, in that much history and that much heritage and along with the vertical, we'll talk about that a couple more times, I'm sure. But I think the town and the vibe of the people that just, it still exudes here. It's, 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 it's all over the place. And, um, it's easy to get caught up in, and, and I had some other great vibes elsewhere where I was at, but that's the placid thing is just, it just feels like ABK. It's the Adirondacks and it's steeped in that rich tradition of, of the Olympics and, and high-end world cup sporting events. It truly is something like when you go down to, to the rink in the Olympic museum, which I think just got a, a refurbishment, correct? It, it really is. It, it, it traps in you this sort of just nostalgic appreciation for what this town has, has, has given 
us some of the most memorable moments in the Olympics. So the, the history part of Lake Placid just feels so rich when you're there that it, it it's tough to to it, it it's tough to tough to describe how it how it feels. But I think you just did it pretty well. I, well, I got to tell you quickly, I've been here and I actually started in the Adirondacks before Vermont in with Gore Mountain and Oak Mountain and Speculator. So I've always had a love for the Adirondacks and not really you know, Lake Placid is obviously home now and I love it, but I love talking to, again, the community, the, the, some of the folks that were here in 1980 and I've run into them and I've, and I've gotten to be friends with some of them where they talk about riding up the chairlift with Ingemar Stenmark. I can't even imagine what that would be. That's so cool. And, or talking to, they were at the Miracle on Ice or, and, and I really appreciate that's still alive and well in Lake Placid, walking up down the sidewalks and you see some former Olympians, current Olympians, and that's it. It's, we were just talking about in a meeting, just to kind of play off what Steve was saying, we were talking about in a meeting with the World University Games coming and we're having, we're turning Main Street into a pedestrian walkway. We're having activations with different sports. And we were just talking about all the different former, current, potentially future Olympians who will be there. And we were all talking like, well, it's no big deal. And then we stopped and thought about it and realized how fortunate we are that we just rub shoulders with Olympians, World Cup caliber athletes on a day-to-day basis. It, it's kind of our normal. And sometimes we forget how lucky we are to have that history. And that's here at, at Wayface and in Lake Placid. I didn't grow up here, but I've lived here for about 30 years. And we have a lot of meetings in the Olympic Center by the Herb Brooks Arena. And I remember watching that game as a kid, not living here at the time. And every time I go through that arena, it doesn't matter how many times in a day, how many times in a week, how many years I've lived here, I still feel that game. You can still feel that energy. And we get the, the 80 happy team back here for different occasions. I was there for, for the last anniversary that we had with them here in town. And it's just amazing to see that camaraderie and to just feel that energy that still exists everywhere in town. They, they, they talk about ghosts of the game as kind of a cliche in baseball. But when you go into that arena, you do feel it. I mean, you, you can't not help but feel and hear Al Michael's voice in, 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 your, oh, in your brain. It's, just It's ingrained it's in there. It's true. And I, I'm a huge hockey dad and my son played in Michigan, Hope College in Michigan and ACHA national champs last year, proud hockey dad. But the first time that he walked into that arena, eight years old, whatever, again, to Lauren's point, he had seen the movie Miracle and just walked in to that. And he just said, I had shivers, dad. I just, and every time he's gone back, he, he got to skate and play on that ice and and uh, it's, it's just a, it's a thing that comes over you. And it's just like, this is where I think ESPN ranked that the, the, the biggest sporting event for the last hundred years or, or all time, whatever. And yeah, that's, that's alive and well. We need more of those great American moments. Yeah. We definitely do. Well, Lauren, Whiteface, along with Gore, are pretty unique, sort of like Canon here in New Hampshire, in my home state, you guys are state owned facilities. How does that, how does that work? I mean, it's been that way forever. As long as I know. Yeah, we, we, we are part of the Olympic Regional Development Authority, uh, Whiteface, Gore, in a little bit Southern Adirondacks and Bel Air in the Catskills, as well as all of the different Olympic venues. So Mount Ben Hovenberg, the Olympic Jumping Complex, the Olympic Sports Complex, the Olympic Center, 
We're all run by the Olympic Regional Development Authority within the state. The state has been a huge supporter of ours, especially with these games coming up. They gave us the opportunity to improve all of our infrastructure so we are able to handle a game that actually helps more athletes than the 1980 Winter Olympics. This is a little bit of a challenge, but can you break down how Whiteface skis for each kind of skier type? Yeah, definitely. The, that's the really fun thing about Whiteface. You hear so much about our vertical. You hear about the Olympic downhill runs. You hear about the, the slides. We have rock slides that we open weather and conditions permitting, but you don't hear as much about our beginner and intermediate skiing which we have some of the best around. We have a separate learning area with its own base lodge for our kids and beginners called Bear Den Mountain. Got its own two surface lifts, another triple lift interconnects with the main mountain, but is separate enough so that you're not intimidated. We are going to be adding in a new lift, hopefully this coming summer that will go from there to our mid station, our mid mountain lodge area. So it's a great spot to learn and then for breath. And then as you come over to the main side of the mountain, we have beginner train about two-thirds of the way up. And then all three of our peaks have intermediate training. So we've got some long, great intermediate cruisers. Our longest intermediate trail just alone is the longest in the east. It's called the Wilmington Trail. It's over two miles long. But you can ski on intermediate terrain as long as three and a half miles down from the summit of our mountain. So it's, it's a nice, great wide intermediate cruisers with some spectacular views. The views can't be good. It, when looking from the greens over at Whiteface, it's always like, wow, it's so close. Mm -hmm. It's just across the lake and it's just such a beautiful sight from Sugarbush. Such okay. a beautiful sight. Well, with so much history sitting in that town, Steve, of course, I have followed your career. Just a disclaimer here. Steve and I went to college together a long time ago. Taking over the or becoming sales manager for the Great Dame of Main Street, I believe is what it was called. The, the most popular name was Marcy Hotel, and it had ties to Marcy Mountain and, and some other ties in with the area here. But yeah, there's there's been a variety of, of titles over the years and very colorful ones at that. But uh, it's about 100 years old, just shy of 100 years old. 1927 was uh, the year that it was officially. So again, had a, a great ski career in Vermont, a lot of great years, but this opportunity opened up at just perfect time. And uh, like I said, I've always loved the Adirondacks and I spent time in Speculator, skiing Gore and, and, and that down there. But this offered me the opportunity to come back to a place that I've always loved. I, when I was skiing full-time, we came over to Whiteface. I trained over here in the PSIA when I was doing that full-time and trying to get full cert and all that. And then my son grew up, as I mentioned, he did a lot of Can-Am tournaments over here at Lake Placid. So I always had a fondness here. So when this project came up, this renovation of this iconic hotel, it made sense. It made total sense and uh, I'm, it worked out and it's again with the pandemic and, and uh, just everything and, and the renovations is a lot of blood, sweat and tears, I can assure you, but man, are we really pleased with this thing now? It has a long, colorful history. Um, there's a lot of stories that have gone on with this thing. It has been a staple in this town for decades. And uh, now we're pleased that we took it down to steel girders all the way, all brick and mortar, and we turned it into one of the newest members of the Marriott Tribute Portfolio, which is a unique independent brand. It's the Tribute 
portfolio is supposed to make it feel like, like it fits where it sits. And it certainly feels like you're in the Adirondacks when you come in a very warm, great camp feel. And uh, just the combination of white face and the skiing with the lodging here looks like a great camp. It feels like a great camp. And the food, the cuisine, we've tried to tie it all in with the area. We're super pleased with how it's turned out. And the, the skiers and the riders that we're getting staying with us, it's a superb ski and ride hotel too. So I'm thrilled with the, the progress that we've made. And I'm really excited to get back to ski shows and promote it and, and let the world know if there's a great new property in Lake Placid. And what a long, strange trip it's been, but we did it. Congratulations. Thank you. Congrats. Lauren, you know, Whiteface has such a rich history and a legacy that I, that I imagine you celebrate on its own, but is also the future. What does the future hold for Whiteface and how do you sort of recognize your legacy and day-to-day operation? We actually just built a new lodge. Our, our mid-station sadly burned, burned to the ground a few years ago and built a new lodge, which we named Legacy Lodge as an homage to our history. Our, our legacy is, is obviously the, is rich in the Olympic history. It's also in future Olympians, past Olympians, keep training, training people to, to move on in the sport, but also to get local kids who may not be able to afford to ski, get them out, get them in love for the sport and kind of grow the sport that way, as well as working with our Olympic partners in town, our, our Olympic venues to grow the, all of the different winter Olympic sports. We're having a great week this week with the Olymp- with the Winter Games. Um, the school is out of session for for an extra week in January, so we're you know, the local school kids are going to school as kind of a little day camp. They're going to go to different activities. They're going to come out here and ski one day. They're going to go to different events with the World University Games. We work really closely with the schools to get them skiing, to get them trying luge, to get them to go ice skating, to try hockey, all of the different Olympic activities that we can with the kids as well. So our, our legacy is not only growing the sport of skiing, but growing all of the Olympic sports. We need that. We need to, we need to grow people's passion for winter. Yeah. Um, we, we really embrace everything we have. When you go ice skating at night, which you can walk to from Steve's hotel, it's on the actual speed skating oval where Eric Hyden won his five gold medals. If you're just going to go for a quick little skate with the family at night, that's where you're going to do it. So there's Olympic history pretty much in everything we do. It's so very cool. I, I Like I said, I nerded out when I got up there. I just, I, I fell in love with just the history and embracing it and just like, oh my God, that is where this happened. And that's where this happened. And that's where this happened. And for someone that, you know, at, at 39 years old, there was kind of living a, a childhood like, memory that I only barely remember because I was only six years old. Right. But that the richness is just so much there and it's so right there in your face and just waiting to develop you or envelop you just a tremendous place to go. When, when I look at white faced and Lake Placid, there's, we have towns in New England. North Conway is a great example with incredible history from day one. Stowe's another great example. Sure. Yeah. But Lake Placid with the mountain and with the Olympics there two years with everything that grew up around it, it really is just in a league of its own in the Northeast. Yeah. One, 
one cool point quickly mentioned it's super cool we're going to have a rooftop bar it's going to be open in the spring and summer and fall but the reason i bring it up is i don't know if it's correct but i think it's correct we believe that is the only vantage point in the world where you can see all the winter olympic venues from <laughs> wow so you can see mount van hovenberg with the bobsled skeleton and luge you can see the ski jumps the 120 meter and the 90 meter ski jumps you can see the Olympic Center and the speed skating oval. And then, of course, Whiteface is, is off to the left. So from one spot at our rooftop bar, you can see all the winter venues, winter Olympic venues. When's that open? When one vantage point, you can see all the no. winter Olympic venues. When do you expect that to be open? Oh, sorry, Mike. Yeah, June 2023. Wow. Ooh, guess where I'm coming. <laughs> Always welcome, amigo. Yeah. Yeah, we were one of the spots where from each one of the Olympic venues, you can see all of the other Olympic venues, which is really pretty cool. You know, we're cool. all within a, a 15, 20 minute drive of one another. And then you can do, if you don't want to try actual bobsledding, which you can try, you can do the longest mountain coaster in North America that followed the 1980 track down the bobsled ride. You can do that zip line that follows how you would go as a ski jumper off the ski jump. So if, if there's ways to, to be involved in all of the different sports, even if you're not an athlete, it, it makes it such a great time. So families, even if some half of the family doesn't want to ski or they don't want to do bobsled, they can still experience those things and get that thrill and have those feelings even without actually participating in the sport. Very cool. Well, Steve, I was just going to ask you to play tourist and tell me some things that were not to miss when visiting Lake Placid, but I guess a couple of those are right there. But what else, what other activities do you see or do you have in the area that you would urge visitors to check out? Yeah, part of, well, large part of what I do at the hotel here and kind of a put on the ambassador hat for the region here, working with Lauren and, and some other folks is to get groups and, and to get folks, families here and, and to highlight those attractions. There's history, not just the Olympic history, but there's, there's Revolutionary War history not too far down the road. And there's John Brown Farm, one of the first abolitionists in, in the country. So there's rich history right here in town and nearby. There's a toboggan shoot that, that right easy walk from the hotel where you get on a toboggan and when the lake is safely frozen over, he rockets you out onto Mirror Lake and uh, there's dog sledding right across the street from our hotel that folks can go dog sledding and restaurants galore. So cuisine is, is something that we really pride ourselves on being a great key town with great cuisine. We have two restaurants at the hotel. Got to put a plug in for those. Going to have a great apres ski scene at our Marcy Bar. We're going to have live entertainment. We started New Year's Eve and had a packed house. So uh, we'll continue that. You also have the, um, the back country, like Mount Van Hovenberg and Scotts Cobble. And, and there's some other great Nordic facilities that are right here that you can access world-class Nordic and cross-country skiing. Obviously Mount Van Hovenberg has snowmaking. So to, to bolster mother nature, they throw a curveball there. You've got all kinds of the winter activities right at your fingertips. So You've got tobogganing and snowshoeing and, and Nordic skiing and, and Alpine, obviously, and just a myriad of attractions, world-class attractions. There is so much to do there. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's just not the mountain. It's just not the town. It's everything that is encompassed there. Well, Lauren, we need some inside track here. On a, on a powder day, what's the best trail to seek out? 
the best trail to seek out on a powder day? Well, it depends on if the slides are open. If the slides are open, people want to go in there. Those are natural rock slides. We don't do anything to them. Completely 100% natural. You've got to hike in about 15, 20 minutes to, to get in there. So those, that's the number one spot. But the number, the most popular spot, I would say, and, and I know I'm stealing Steve's favorite runs here, is Cloudspin to Niagara and Down. It's the yeah, men's downhill run. It's a nice, super wide expert run double fall line pitches, some of the steepest terrain in the east, but a lot of fun on the powder day. Nice and wide open, great place to get some great turns in. It's true. It, I want to piggyback on on that quickly is it feels like a western run when that is a powder day and you're starting off the top of the summit quad and you're doing clouds flim down to Niagara, down to Victoria, and it's just all great powder. It just goes and goes and goes. And yeah, I still love my glades, but on a powder morning, that's just super long and a great pitch. Yeah. Steve, what are some of your other personal favorites? Well, coming from Vermont, obviously my first love is the twisty, the classic New England style trails. And, and I, I, I love those dearly. So I like off the little white face, there's some superb glades, slide view glades. And some of the trails that are over on that side have some nice steep pitch little narrower in spots, a little wider depending, but they have the less sun exposure a lot. So they hold the snow superbly great vertical that the runs go forever. So I, I, when I get off a of little white face, I've got a mix of glades and those classic trails, the way they were cut originally and right off the gondola. And it's, it's not always, sometimes the more popular areas can be off to the, to off to the summit quad and, and facelift and so forth, rightly so, but. Sometimes those stashes off of the little white face that that's definitely my favorite. Fantastic. Well, after skiing, we always need a, a beer or a drink. What's the opera ski spot that both of you would go to? Well, I, I start off here at, at the mountain, the clouds, Spin clouds, Spin barn girl right here in the base lodge. And then head up into Lake Placid. And I think the Marcy bar in the grand Adirondack is going to be one of the new hot places to go for your apres ski. The nice thing is it's right on Main Street. You can kind of walk everywhere. There's some other great spots. The smoke Signals, The Cottage, Lisa G's. Those are some of my locals' favorite places to go. Dak Shack. So there's a lot of great places to go. And you can pretty much walk everywhere in Lake Placid. There's also a free shuttle bus that takes you up and down Main Street and brings you out to the mountain. So you can kind of park your car and not have to worry about that. And, and get to all of the activities and all the hot spots. Yeah. And I, again, I'll springboard off of that too. Yeah. I, I, we're excited about what the Marcy bar is going to bring to Lake Placid Apres ski scene. Very excited. We do have our own breweries, the Pobbin Brewery and Big Slide featuring some really great craft local beers. And of course, Marcy, we carry those, those local flavors and, and a lot of the places that Lauren mentioned, Lisa G's and Cottage and Smoke Signals and we all get along. We all pretty much play in the sandbox pretty nice here in Lake Placid. And we like you to check out our spots first, but we're happy to share the wealth and recommend some other great places too. So no shortage of great apres ski life in Lake Placid, no shortage of it all. And great craft beers, great local cocktails, craft custom cocktails. And I think coming out of the pandemic, we'll get back to that live entertainment. We're starting to get some live music and, and we'll start to get 
back into that scene. Of Lake Placid has always been highly ranked as a, a ski town. And I think uh, coming out of this thing, that's where we want to land again. Well, on that note, could you both name a restaurant that may not get all the headlines in the area? I, I got one. Lauren, you can go first if you want. For me, I would have to say it's Lisa G's in Lake Placid. It's a little bit off the beaten track. It's the local place to go, wing night. So you'll see all of us there usually every Monday night. <laughs> yeah, Lisa G's, the wing night is, those are the real deal. I was going to suggest another one that's off the beaten path. It's called Cascade Inn, and you'd miss it if you didn't know where it was at. It's it, and the funny thing is, if you're all, if you're all about ambiance, maybe not the place you want to go. But if you're about great American fare and and not as crowded as some of the more popular destinations on a weekend, maybe might be Cascade Inn has superb American fare. It's a couple of miles out of town, past the ski jumps. And I love going there. It's just a great, great seafood, great steaks. They do a nice job and reasonably priced. And it just doesn't get the popularity because it's not right on Main Street. But if you just go a few miles out of town, that's that, that one's a home run. Well, in parting here, we, we really want to know, how would you describe in three words the vibe of Lake Placid and Whiteface? Because I, I really think those two are interchangeable. Three words. Ooh, that's a tough one, Mike. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple more. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. I love it. I think um, the Adirondacks are just definitely a one-of-a-kind area. This has been my home for about 30 years now. It's a great a great place to be. It's six million acres right in the, in the northeast of New York. But the three words I would use to describe our area, definitely legacy, is probably the number one, the number one thing. We, we tout ourselves as the winter sports capital of the world because we don't just focus on skiing. We have World Cups Nordic ski jumping coming back in February, which we're really excited about. We have World Cup skeleton bobsled luge most years or world championships most years, as well as NCAA, ECAC hockey tournament. So I just talking about sport and legacy are probably our biggest, our biggest thing. I might say, yeah, well said, Lauren. I, I might say authentic. And what I mean by that is this is it, this park is bigger than Yellowstone, Yosemite and the Grand Canyon combined. Wow. A lot of people don't realize that it's six, 6.2, whatever, 6 million acres. Every acre of it is authentic. It's just world-class hiking. It's world-class skiing. It's world-class just ski town. It's just authentically real it just it's the vibe is i like the word authentic and that's something that i've embraced since i came over here that it just i love living here it's 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 very authentic and the experiences are very real i think authentic is a great way to describe it because like i said my first visit was 10 years ago and i instantly fell in love and i think that a big part of that is authenticity that if you can have a relationship with the town or or the people there or and you feel that immediately that's authentic. That's not trying to figure out what a town's about. It's just, it, it's there for you and you get to appreciate it. That would be the best word, I think, Steve. I think you got me on that one. You know what? We're going to run with that. <laughs> Lauren and Steve, we want to both thank you for joining us. We want our listeners to get a grasp as to what's just on the other side of Lake Champlain that is pretty special. Thank you. We appreciate that. 
We do, and we hope you'll visit Whiteface and everything that has to offer. And when you think of lodging, we'd like you to think Grand Adirondack Hotel and Main Street and Lake Placid. Thank you both. Excellent. Lauren, Steve, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for this great discussion. Look forward to getting back up there. Awesome. You're always welcome here, Eric. Mike, always welcome here. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out SkiJournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Base Camp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative insightful and now back to the base camp podcast i got a little bit of a little bit more on whiteface that we may not have gone over so far in the 2023 ski magazine resort guide where do you think whiteface mountain finishes in the east in the east yes number two number 15 number 15 which i mean is still respectable i mean there's a lot in the east whiteface enjoys the unique honor of being both a no frill skiers mountain and a luxury resort destination with one of the best ski towns in the east located nearby the best of both worlds is what it says in ski magazine i love the town of lake placid it's cool and for some i don't ask me why but it reminds me of Augusta, Maine. And that's just because it just the, the visual looks like downtown Augusta. There are a lot more shops and a lot more restaurants in downtown Augusta. And it, it is really just this really cool, eclectic collection of food and gifts and, and wine and microbrews and you name it. It's very cool. It's a very classic ski town. Like you said, not there's no lift downtown that's going to bring you right to white. But it is just a, a great little community that feels... It feels like a ski town, right? It feels like you're going to Park City and, and you're really, you're six hours driving rather than six hours flying away from home. Just a, tr- a tremendous little downtown area. What, what, what stands out for you there? I think what stands out is all the venues from the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny that you put it sort of like Augusta. I don't, I don't yeah, know that's, why that's, that came into yeah, my mind. Augusta, I, I like Augusta. So do it's, I. And I've only been to Augusta once, but well, just for like some Lake reason, Placid. that downtown area, when I visualize Lake Placid, I see downtown Augusta. I don't know. Well, I, I think... I don't know if like, I should bring that up to my therapist or what? It seems I, like it. Yes, you should. <laughs> I, I think um, it reminds me of more like a Park City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's... It's got such history with the Olympics there. It's got Olympic training centers like Park City. The venues, like the hockey rink and stuff, I mean, it's amazing, to say the least. I mean, they are just getting ready to hold the World University Games also. This weekend, right. This weekend through next week. Yep. So that's what Lake Placid is to me. It's, it's our own little Park City sitting out here. They say of the World University Games that it's the largest multi-sport winter event in the world after the Winter Olympics. So 
This is not like a, a couple busloads of people going up. This is a, a pretty big deal for Whiteface. So if you're heading to Lake Placid area this weekend, go check that out. I want to go over a little bit more about what Ski Magazine says about Whiteface because, I mean, Ski Magazine is still the Bible, right? Everyone, everyone goes there to, to see about what they said about their place. The little holy grail. But when you think about what Ski Magazine says about Whiteface... To me, Whiteface and Lake Placid are synonymous. Mm -hmm. When you go to Stowe, it's just Stowe. But when you go to Whiteface, you you go through Lake Placid, you spend your time in Lake Placid, it becomes an overall full package that you normally don't get at most ski areas. Right. And the thing about Whiteface being state-owned is that it's got a feel like Canon, that Canon also state-owned. But it doesn't have like a resort feel, right? Like there, I, I recently wrote about Sun Valley and, and I recalled when, when I went there to the River Run Lodge and how it's carpeted and they've got leather seats in the lodge and I'm putting my boots on a leather chair and I'm like, this is weird, right? <laughs> it doesn't feel like my kind of skiing. But when you go to Whiteface, it, it's got that sort of like rustic feel to it. And you really do feel like you're in the Adirondacks. And that's exactly how Ski Magazine puts it. No frills, New York State own mountain whiteface is known for its olympic worthy vertical and darn cold temperatures it can get cold i I covered the bobsled championships there in 2013 and it was freezing watching guys fly by the track over and over and over again and just being frigid to the bone as cold as it ever been and i went to school in northern vermont so this was a cold stretch of weather it's home to arguably one of the most authentic ski towns in the east It's home to arguably one of the most authentic ski towns in the East. Lake Placid provides the perfect counterbalance to Whiteface's hardcore offerings, including cozy B&Bs, sprawling resort hotels, top-notch dining, and fun nightlife. When I stayed there for the week, I stayed at the Hampton Inn Suites. It's right on Mirror Lake. And to step out the back deck or fireplace area they have out there and to look across the lake, it's just, it's a serene moment that, is so big because of the environment. Truly no place like it. I mean, that's a great location, and it's right next to the Lake Placid Pub and Brewery where I think I had every meal for the entire week there. How can you not love a pub and brewery? Yeah. It's just fantastic. I just pulled up on February 11th and 12th. The Ski Jumping World Championships are there too, the World Cup. Excellent. Or not the World Championship, but the World Cup. When we talk about skiing, when we talk about whiteface, it's about not just skiing, but the overall embracing of winter, the winter sports experience. Right. So I, I think as Lauren and Steve said, there is so much to do in that town besides just making turns up on the hill, spending a day on the ice rink, spending a day on a bobsled. I mean, that's that's incredible. Where else can you do that? You can't. I mean, you just can't. And, and and it's what makes Lake Placid such a unique place it is just the, look, you can, I, I guess you can go to Salt Lake City and do some similar things, but not everything, right? Like, I don't think you can, you can ride a bobsled in Utah. I mean, that's, that's something that's really unique to Lake Placid. And just to go there and, I don't know, like, kind of visualize what it was like, right? I mean, Lake Placid's not a huge place, but yet only 40 years ago, they held the Olympics there. Could they do it today? God, no, no way. But to think about 40 years ago, what that was like, and to have such an intimate sort of city and intimate venues with all these world-class athletes, and just to, to visual, be able to visualize it in the place it happened, 
is really something cool. And like I said, for an Olympics geek like myself, it, it, it's like being a kid again because you get excited about seeing this sort of the memories, right? The memories of that stretch of time that you experienced and that were so important to you at that time and day. You just hurt me, Eric. Hurt me bad. <laughs> you said 40 years ago. I know. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my goodness. Well, 43, if you want to get technical. You're making me older, <laughs> quicker. I know. I know. I know. So, well, as everybody is looking, everybody's looking at where to go for President's Week. I mean, we're already into MLK. Everybody has their plans. But I always tell people, look where you least expect it. And you'll find something great. Yep. So Lake Placid and Whiteface should be on your radar screen for that getaway. Yeah, sure. And it's not that far. It's an easy, honestly, it's a super easy trip, either out the Mass Pike and up through Albany, up the North Way, or cutting across through Burlington and taking the ferry. Yeah, it's really not that far at all when, when you consider... You, 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 you say Adirondacks, you say New York, and you start getting a little, ooh, that's a long drive. But it really isn't. You, you find, especially if you go through Albany, and, and it, it's, it's a piece of cake. I recommend it to anyone who has not been to Lake Placid to please go check it out. Even if they are in New York, it's okay. We still like them. And anybody that has ever been up on Lincoln Peak at Sugarbush and you look out to the west, that is Whiteface that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many... You can can see it from Bolton, too. Yeah, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to touch it when they're up there going, wow, that looks really good. That looks great. It is that great. It is great. And I I remember one day at the bobsled place just standing there and looking at my surroundings. And breathtaking is the word we've thrown around too much, but it was stunning. It was a moment to, to, to see the Adirondacks in that winter glory with something pretty powerful. And it's an image I'll never forget. It's an image that is awesome. I, I, once again, I like to challenge people. I challenge everybody to get over there, make the run that Ingemar Stenmark and Phil Mayer made. Get on that hill, feel like Ingemar, feel, feel like Phil, go have some fun with it, but please don't go as fast as Ingemar went. <laughs> Ingemar Stenmark, who will soon be number two on the list below oh, Michaela. Okay, we're going to give a little pitch here. Let's go, Michaela. Okay. There we go. Let's go, Michaela. Mike, thank you very much. Eric, that's fantastic. It's always nice to go home to my home state, even though I haven't lived there for an awful long time. All right, good. Well, we're glad we can make a little homecoming happen for you. That is Mike Specian. I am Eric Wilbur, editor of New England Ski Journal. We will see you next week with a brand new edition of the New England Ski Journal Basecamp podcast. Thanks for joining us on this one, and we'll see you next time. New England Ski Journal's Basecamp is a Siemens Media podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful.